following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate you all for joining us here on this Wednesday evening or anywhere else you'd like to check out your favorite podcast. It's always a pleasure to hang out and talk a little bit of sports ball with you all. It is DJ, joined as always by my co-host, Kelsey. And Kelsey, glad to have you back for this one. And it's we've hit it, the three major sports going on at once, plus a little bit of everything from the quote-unquote lesser of the three sports. We hit the Equinox. We have finally made it. Yeah, and then even even a little bit of collusion talk. Not in any of the major sports, just in our fantasy football leagues. Um, but no, it is a perfectly it, fair trade. <laughs> no, actually, for uh, you know, jokingly, I, I joke all, all, all seriousness aside. I, I literally jokingly was going to type in collision the first time, hmm. and I just felt like that was just not the uh, right time or place for that. So, um, collusion was where it, what, what came out of that. But no, no, it is actually an absolutely fun time um, because it is a collision of all three sports fanhoods at one time, and I love it. I absolutely love this time of year. Uh, basketball is going on. Obviously, college football is in, getting into the, into the crunch time. We're getting into week nine now. Um, NFL football right there a week behind. Um, so it's a lot of excitement there. And a lot of teams are starting to show their hands, starting to show what they're made of, and starting to make moves. Uh, there's a lot of rumors going around there as well. But then most importantly, maybe, I don't know, it depends on how you look at it, World Series time, baseball, um, double, double dip of uh, the Texas Rangers and a, another West Coast team yet again. I know Arizona people don't think West Coast, but as far as the MLB goes, they are considered a West Coast team. Um, so, yeah, no, lo and behold, another West Coast domination. We'll talk about it a little bit later. But, yeah, and then NBA basketball. I mean, come on. What's not to love about NBA basketball starting back up, seeing LeBron get beaten game one? What's not to love about that? It, we, everything going on once, which means the wallets are getting empty with sports betting, which means every little thing counts these days. Fantasy football teams are starting to take their final form. You're starting to figure out who's going to be in the run for it, who's going to need to make a move in who you should be calling to see if they get, if they're willing to trade some of their players as well too, depending on where they stand. So there's a lot to look forward there, but you alluded to, so that's going to take us right into the tip off. We're not going to waste any time. We'll get into our first opening segment tip off. Of course, brought to you by SeatGeek. Use code of sports, get yourself $20 off your first order, get yourself some tickets to any of these various sporting events we were talking about. Although the first one we're talking about, you might not be able to get tickets to unless you got some pretty deep pockets. The world series is set. It, if you got the deep pockets, that $20 might help you. It might not. We'll have to wait and see. But the World Series is set, and it's the two teams that everybody predicted before the season started is we got the Rangers from the Texas Rangers taking on the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Snakes are alive. The Rangers are back. And everyone everyone bet this one, right? So, like, there's not a huge payout coming out, right? Like, everybody thought this was in the season. Yeah. Let's just let's just go ahead and uh, count those bets now if you put them in, in, in place early in the season because I'm pretty sure combined odds between the two teams are something like – Plus forty thousand to make the make the super make the world, world series against each other. Uh, Thirty five thousand of that comes from the uh, the the Diamondbacks alone. Uh, mm-hmm. The other five thousand from the Rangers. Um, just because I mean, at the end of the day, you're in the West with the Astros. Nobody expects you to get out of that. But they did. Not just that, but they performed well. The Rangers looked good. They pitched well. Um, sent out one of the winningest all time managers uh, in, a, in a loss in Dusty Baker. I'm sad to see him retire, but you know. Look, the Rangers are what they are uh, at the end of the day. They've been to the World Series, and I think this makes five times now in the, since 2010. Um, so been an impressive run for them. And obviously it's been a few years since they made it last time, but uh, it's like exci- exciting to see them back. We'll see what this young team, this I say young, but this, this well-hitting team and the really old pitchers 
can do because there's not this team's not going to be put together for a long time coming. Uh, you got to imagine with their you know the age on some of these pitchers, but it's fun to watch nonetheless. Right now, uh, the Diamondbacks on the other hand, that team is young, exciting. There's a whole lot to be excited for. I know Jared is literally out of his seat, um, excited. I know he just bought an Eagles jersey, but I'm pretty sure he's kicking himself for not buying an uh, not buying a Diamondbacks jerseys multiples. I do mean like five or six, um, one of each color scheme, and then you know two of his favorite players. So uh, no, I do think it's it's gonna be fun to see um, all around Diamondbacks versus versus the Rangers, uh, two kind of similar teams in a lot of ways. I mean they they just love to hit the ball, get on base, make you make you mad with you know, make you make errors uh, and then pitching skilled pitching the diamondbacks less. So on the pitching side, they don't really rely as much on the pitching side. Um, definitely on the, on uh, with their bats, but the Rangers can do it both. I mean, just be afraid of that entire lineup for the Rangers from top to bottom. They can all just send it out of the park at any point in time. So it's, it's a lot of fun to, to watch and see. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know what to expect, but it's going to be a lot of fun. I will say the last couple of World Series, you kind of have an idea what you're going into. Like you, you don't know. Obviously, nobody knows for sure, but you kind of know what this. But this one, we're both just like closing all MLB on all the betting apps because it's not worth even trying at this point. I'm just going to annoy myself. We're going to ignore that. You mentioned the Diamondbacks, the ultimate greater than the sum of their parts. Almost it feels like like yep. good individual players. No one's doubting that, but God, when you put them together, it just makes no sense how good they are. The Rangers, really good players as well too, but. Some of the teams that they beat, you'd think on paper they'd be better than, but they, the, 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 up until the Astros, they looked pretty comfortable even through a lot of that Astros series until the Astros went on their little run where it felt like the Astros were the Astros, like they were going to do it there. They look fantastic. And when kind of how you described to it, to me, it harkens to a couple of years ago when we saw the Rams taking on the Bengals in the Super Bowl. Bengals, young, upstart team, you think they'll be around for a long time. The Rams, well, this is your one shot. You better not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime. It's what it almost feels like for the Rangers with some of those older pitchers as well. So I'm really looking forward to this matchup. And when I look at this one, I'm going to look at the Rangers first to start with because, well, I mean, less than 600 days ago, they were a 100-loss team, which I guess does apply to both of them technically as well. But I also kind of want to look – excuse me. When we look – we talked about their pitching, bringing, bringing in pitchers at the trade deadline as well, but – I want to talk about Garcia too, Adalas Garcia, who I'm going to call him a roller coaster because he's been he highest of highs, some of the lowest of lows. But during the even during the early part of the playoffs, a little bit low. But that ALCS, he put the team on his back and helps carry them to it as well. So as far as X factors going into the World Series, I'm going to say if he can keep on that high, I think he could be a real X factor for him. I'm not saying he'd be World Series MVP by any means, but I think him being able to get that kind of production out of him, I think that could be the Rangers X factor into the world if they want to take on the world series. Yeah. You know, look, uh, at least he's, he's, he's been impressive all year. I mean, look, let's just look back at the home run derby. I mean, not very many people thought he was going to be, you know, competitive and let alone or in the derby, let alone competitive in the derby. Um, and then you just watch him just launching walls. Um, mm-hmm. And and then now you see him in the game doing the exact same thing. And you're just like, no, 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 no. This is like, this is not what you expect from him. And, and, and now, now you know. Rangers fans have known all year. The rest of us are now learning. Um, you don't pitch this man. Like you really, if there's a chance, if there's a runner on base and there's, you, you know, you're up in the game, I consider walking him. As long as you're not walking a run, I, you know, honestly, I'm I'm okay with it. And if his base is loaded, maybe I do walk in a run because one run is better than four. Um, be, at the end of the day, I, this is going to be a tough one. Um, both pitching staffs are very good, but really, that Texas pitching staff is 
not something you want to mess with in the early innings. Um, you wouldn't, you know, when you get into the the deeper side of things, depends on which Chapman or Chapman comes out of the bullpen. But um, if Aroldis that you know won a couple couple of World Series previously comes out, well, yeah, yeah, you don't want to mess with that guy. But if the Aroldis who's throwing ninety five up in the zone, well, you got a pretty good chance. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think I think he's a great great look for uh you know somebody to watch uh, for the Rangers. I think on the flip side of that, though, um, I'm going to stick with the Rangers as well as a guy to watch. Uh, I'm looking at Jonah, Jonah Heim, um, a guy who, who's been platooning most of the season. I mean, he was not expected to be as good as he is. And here he is, just, you know, five hit, uh, five at-bats. He had three hits, I believe, in in their game-winning, uh, in, the, in the clinching game against the uh, Astros. And of those hits, he had to get five, uh, three RBIs to go with it. So, guy who's, again... Not nobody projected much of him. Nobody projected him to be that big of a, a, a aspect for their offense. But here he is playing, you know, a mix of catcher and first base, and he's been playing out of his mind all season long. And you know, he's got got to give him credit where credit's due. It's it's impressive to see him and then Josh Jung as well, both infielders. Those are the guys that you know you kind of see the most impact outside of the obvious Corey Seegers and and, and Adelise Garcia's type of guys, but. Um, I look at those two both potentially being X factors for the Rangers uh, offensively, just because you know they they usually don't hit one through five; they hit that seven, eight, nine range, range usually. So you get that bottom of the lineup going uh, could be very impactful for the for the Rangers. Yeah, absolutely, the one hundred percent. And on the flip side, if we look at the Diamondbacks, I'm not even going to try and sugarcoat or try and dig into the weeds for this one. For me, I think the big X factor is going to be Corbin Carroll. I think it's be right on the nail, right on the head. The NLCS, he was. He's a young player, so but he set such high expectations. So the NLCS up until Game Seven, he wasn't quite that, quite the same player, but he came on strong at the end. And as you mentioned too, at the Rangers, you're going to have to outscore them. As cliche as that is, obviously you score more points than the other team to win. Well, no shit, but what I'm saying, I think you're going to have to work with your way around that pitching. You're going to have they're going to put up runs. You have to match their runs. And I think Carroll's ability to steal bases, especially to get you those extra chances, get from first to second, second to third, et cetera, and his ability to round the bases in his base running, I think will be key to get him in scoring position along with some of the other hitters as well. Cause then you're an air away. Suddenly you're down four nothing and then it's three to four and you're right back in it. So I, I'm going to say Corbin Carroll, I'm just going to, we're not, I'm not even trying to find like a hidden gem on this one. I think arguably their best player. I think he has to be argu- arguably their best player to keep the snakes alive. That's fair. Uh, look, Corbin Carroll has been that dude all season long. Um, you know, he's been, gone from just rookie of the year to possibly even getting a conversation for uh nl i don't know maybe nl mvp i don't know if people are actually gonna vote for him because he's a diamondback it's just kind of that weird like you fall into a weird category when you play for the diamondbacks you can win a rookie of the year hmm. odds are you're not gonna win an mvp um and that's just unfortunate in the situation he has been far and above the guy for the diamondbacks all season long and this team made it the world series so why should he not have an opportunity you know it's just one of those conversations that in the MLB circles, people won't won't be willing to have, let's just say. Um, but obviously, probably rookie of the year um, this year. I do love I do love what he's been doing offensively and defensively. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go somewhere different. Uh, I'm actually gonna go the same kind of same concept with the Rangers. I'm giving you I'm giving you two players. Um, one is a guy who just had his first hitless game in the playoffs this two days ago uh, against in Game Six against the Astros. That's Kettle Marte. You, the dude had not had a hit. Or had had a hit in every single playoff game he has ever played in until last Thursday, I believe it was last Thursday, last Saturday, whatever game six was um, versus the Astros. Absolutely insane to think about. And if he can keep that production going, 
that's something that the Diamondbacks need. A consistent, he's the number two hitter, consistent guy on base, just setting up the table for when you get into the Walkers, the Morenos, the Tommy Fams, those type of situations where you get your DH first baseman, catcher up to bat. Alternatively, on the backside of the line, I'm giving you an old head, a guy who's been to a World Series before, who has won a World Series. Actually, I believe two World Series now. Um, last last time he was actually in this position, he was playing for the Tampa Bay Rays, Devil Rays at the time. Uh, that is Evan Longoria, third baseman. Uh, you know, one of the guys that you just look at and is like, how is this guy still playing? A lot of question marks, still playing, still consistent third baseman, and still has a little bit of pop in the bat. He's not going to give you, like like you said, uh, like I said before the season, he wouldn't give you 40 home runs in the season. He'd yeah, give you 20, 15, exactly where he ends up at, at, at during the end of the season. But he, and when it comes to playoff time, when it comes to crunch time, a bottom of the order gets up in the, in the eighth, ninth inning. Like I just said, Aroldis Chapman comes in throwing 95 mid 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 chest, lower, um, you know, right at the belt line. That's Evan Long- on Longoria's pitch, and he'll be seeing it in the bleachers in left field. Uh, and so that could be something that you look at, maybe change the tide of a game, maybe change the tide of a series. I mean, it could be could be either way. Um, but I look Kettle Marte as your everyday kind of X factor. But as far as kind of like a could change the tide in the series by just one big play. And that also goes defensively. Let's not forget this guy was a gold glove, gold glove caliber third baseman uh, for many years. Still has that glove is still there. Uh, maybe can't move as much, but he the, the glove is still there. Um, so, you know, a guy can, that can change the tide both ways, offensively and defensively for the Diamondbacks if need be in Evan Longoria. So, yeah, Kettle Marte, Evan Longoria, those are two guys offensively. And like I said, Longoria defensively more so um, that I look for that could, you know, be a little bit of an X factor in this series. Absolutely. As we mentioned, it's a very, very young team. If things start to get a little dicey, especially if they're down like one one game or two games or nothing and it's starting to get dicey, you want to rely on a veteran who's been there before to help you get out there. A key, he doesn't have to crack like seven home runs in the series, but yeah. a key base hit here or there, a key defensive play when the bases are loaded or something like that. Just he can he can create those momentum plays, like those ones that snowball that start the snowball that get them back into it. He's the kind of guy you trust for that. And someone who's if anyone starts to get rattled, just look at look to Longoria and he'll be like, we got this. After what they did to me with the Rays in that 2020 World Series, pulling the pitcher when he was on fire, I've seen it all. It can't get worse than that. So when it comes oh, to Longoria. He was with the Giants then. And that, was that he, okay, my apologies. But you get my point. He's seen, he's, that is, it can't get any worse than that either way. But as long, I think having that veteran there to kind of keep the ship right if things get a little bit rocky or dicey as well. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, it's just one of those things. And again, when we were talking about a guy, we're not expecting a whole lot of offense from him. Like he might hit 200 in this series, but he might just be that guy that gets up in a crunch situation and and sends you sends you sends the other team home packing. And that's just something that you need. You need to have that time to kind of trust uh, in a guy. And um, I was just checking to see if I could if I could see how one, which was his rookie year. Unfortunately, he's only been to one, but yeah, exactly. I mean, and as you mentioned too, he might go to, he might hit 200. He might go two for 10, something like that. But those two hits are going to come with the bases loaded or when they're, or one in the eighth inning to drive in the tying run or something ridiculous like that as well, too. That's just kind of the nature of how it would go with them, but that'll do it for the world series. But as we kind of mentioned a little bit earlier too, NBA season kept tipping off today, yesterday as well, too. We are in NBA opening week. Yesterday, we got the Nuggets def- starting their defense of their title against the Los Angeles Lakers. And then we also had the Phoenix Suns taking on the Golden State Warriors. And to, so not too much surprise, the Denver Nuggets kind of take care of business against the Lakers as well. They're able to walk away with a 12-point win. 
And then we saw the the Warriors on force to come up a little bit short against the Phoenix Suns, in which Devin Booker went absolutely ballistic. And I'll go and start the first game. The one that stuck out to me was a uh, Anthony Davis scoreless in the second half. We know he's a bit of an up and down player. 17 points in the first half, great. Zero in the second half, not good. Concerning as well was one rebound in that first half, if I'm not mistaken. One rebound. You're j- like it's hard. We know your job is to try and deal with Joker, and that is a problem in itself. That's going to drain you, but you can't have one rebound at six foot ten with his athletic skill set and his length. You you can't have one rebound. You can't be getting the Nuggets are tough. No, no I don't think anyone really was surprised that they lost lost by 12. But Anthony Davis, he needs to. You've been asking for it for three years. He needs to finally come through for you and start playing like that top five player that he so easily, so just so easily could be. Yeah, I mean, look, if you had to guess, who would you say was the number two scorer on that team? I'm going to guess LeBron, but... Well, no. Oh, no, number two last night in, for the Lakers. Oh, number two. Okay, so LeBron was one, if I'm not mistaken, because I think he had 21. So number two, what was it, D'Angelo Russell? Yeah, Torian Prince. Torian Prince, the guy who was a washout in Atlanta, washout in Minnesota, ends up number two scorer for the Lakers in tip-off night. Um, No, not at all. I mean, we're looking at a Nuggets team on the other side. Jokic gave you 29. Contavious Caldwell-Pope gave you 20. Jamal Murray gave you 21 points. Um, Aaron Gordon gave you 15. Michael Porter Jr., 12. Your starting lineup, everyone hit double digits. Yeah, and then on the flip side, I mean, yeah, everybody on the starting lineup for the Lakers did hit double digits. The problem is, LeBron at 21, Torian Prince at 18, Anthony Davis at 17, Austin Reeves at 14, D'Angelo Russell at at 11. By the way, none of these guys had double-digit rebounds. None of them had double-digit assists, Uh, which on the flip side of things, Michael Porter Jr. and Nikola Jokic both have double-digit rebounds, and of course, Nikola Jokic gave you double-digit assists. Does that surprise anybody? Probably not. But it's important to to, to look at because you look at the Lakers team, what's the one thing that you you know you need with a LeBron team you know you need ball movement you know you need shooting you know you need guys that are going to go out there and and actually be able to give you averages every single night if i look at that team i'm not looking at a team that's that's going to be exciting to go down the you know into the end of the end of the season i think they'll still make the playoffs because of the lakers they have lebron they have anthony davis but there's a lot of worry there i mean their bench gave them really not a whole lot gave vincent six reddish seven hachimura six christian wood seven uh, again Nobody cracked over five rebounds there. It's Gabe Vincent gave him two assists. I mean, there's got to be there's got to be more from this Lakers team. Um, I mean, you can't. Jackson Hayes gave you one rebound in seven minutes, and that was his only stat. Um, talk about a kid who in college was averaging about fifteen and, and ten. So uh, you got to do better. Look, if you're Lakers, you got to do more. Um, there's, there's there's no excuse for this. I don't know. I know. Again, it's the Nuggets. Yes, it's the reigning reigning champions. Blah 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 blah. They don't play defense. Nikola Jokic is a an obvious person who does not play defense. Let's not kid ourselves and think he does. You have one guy who doesn't play defense on their team. So what do you what should you do? Maybe, oh, I don't know. Attack the big stick in the middle that who doesn't play defense. It seems like a great concept for me. Um yeah. Um, I digress. I, I could literally complain about the Lakers and, and people's game plans against the Nuggets all day long, but you know, the teams that have been successful against the Nuggets, they attack. Jokic, they attack Jamal Murray. They make them make decisions between the two of them. They put them in a pick and roll situation and see what happens. They do not attack Michael Porter Jr. They do not attack Aaron Gordon. Um, do not attack Kentavious Caldwell Pope. Why would you ever attack the guy that was potentially the defense player of the year two years ago? Three years ago. Eh, just don't do it. 
Like, don't don't attack the guys that you know you, that can play defense. Attack the guys who have admittedly struggled in defenses, defensive situations. So, I don't know. I'm just I question a lot of things. Um, LeBron is definitely getting older. That is for sure. Um, that is my takeaway from this game. And Anthony Davis still looks like a kid who's playing number two to in, in awe of a what was Superman at one point in time and is now just that man. I will say too, if LeBron's only going to play 30 minutes just to kind of keep him fresh. I mean, as you mentioned, you're 21 playing more than that and getting you 21 points. That's unheard of basically how good that is. Yeah. But that's because they're reliant on other people to pick up some of the slack and they got Torian Prince did his job. That is great. He overachieved by a mile, but everybody else kind of underachieved a little bit there, especially AD's got to give he there's no, even if it is Jokic, Aaron Gordon, all those guys that match up weirdly with him. You're Anthony Davis. We got to get 22 and 12, 22 and 10 from you at least. Anthony Davis averaged nearly 30 points a game against Jokic in the playoffs. And that was because he had 40, and then he gave you 13 the next day. Like, imagine if he if he could just gave you that actual 30 the whole way, they wouldn't have gone out in four. It's, it's I don't know. It's just crazy to see. And by the way, Torian Prince had the fourth highest uh, minutes for the starters for the Lakers, just 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 ahead of LeBron by one minute played. Still was giving you 18 points during those 30 minutes. So an impressive feat for Torian Prince. Uh, Got to give that credit to him. But I, I think, the, 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 you know, you look at the rest of the Lakers team and you're just like, what are we doing here, guys? Luckily, but then, yeah, I'm not a Lakers fan, so I don't, I'm don't. i happy to see him lose every time. Luckily, they got 81 more games to figure it out. Probably a little bit less, but you got plenty of time and you're probably not going to play the Nuggets every night, so that makes your life a little bit easier. Some other teams you will have to play also went to battle last night. Those The Warriors took on the Suns and – Interesting, quite back and forth game. Still was very weird to see Chris Paul in that in that Warriors uniform. Still can take me a few games to get used to that. And then for the Suns, uh, Kevin Durant was able to kind of coast and relax a little bit, give you just a nice casual 18 because Devin Booker decided to go absolutely off and give you 30 plus. And honestly, when we look at this, we both have the Suns as a top two team in our seedings and our predictions. And I'm feeling pretty good about that right now. I was curious how these pieces were going to fit. They'll find a way. I think I feel like they will find a way. The hot hand will start. We'll take over like Devin Booker did. The other two will wait their turn. Basically, it feels not wait their turn, but they'll be there for when the shots are open. Like they they won't sit in the corner and pout, but they won't force and demand the ball. So I think at least with Booker and Katie, they have the dynamic going. I have I'm really not concerned about Bradley Beal playing with John Wall at the height of his powers. He was the guy in Washington when they were a mess. He played alongside Russell Westbrook. He's shown the ability to play alongside more dominant ball dominant players. So I, I think I feel pretty good about it. If they can stay healthy right now. They looked really good. Your looked pretty good there. And the Warriors, I don't even, we've gone over through this for ten, almost 10 years now. The Warriors don't even play basketball until January. So at the, or until Christmas day, that's the first time they try. So I'm not going to judge them or even think they could be Owen 15 going into Christmas. And I wouldn't be worried about them at this point. Um, yes. To all the above <laughs> with the Warriors. Um, no, I want to. I want to go talk to talk about the Suns for a second, though. Uh, you know, you, we talked about Yusuf Nurkic in the lead up in in our you know predictions. We need him to do two things: score when you have an opportunity, when you have the advantage, just put backs and get rebounds. Well, guess what? He got 14 rebounds, and guess how many points he gets? Yes, 14 points. Uh, so you look at that. That's absolutely exactly what you want him to do. You mentioned KD, kind of just you know letting D book take the lead. Uh, well, he still gave you 10 rebounds, KD did. He still ended up with a double-double with 18 points. Kicked in three assists, not something you expect a lot of. And Devin Booker, obviously, is six six boards, eight assists with Bradley Bill out. So he did take a lot of the point-forward roles, I guess, in that in, in that in that with that team. Um, gave you 32 points in, in, you know, nonetheless. So that ball movement was working for the Suns. 
On the flip side, the Warriors still kind of look like the Warriors. I know they, you know, look, they lost 108, 104. But you got Clay Thompson giving you 15. You know, Andrew Wiggins giving you 10. You got Chris Paul giving you 14 and 9. Uh, by the way, gave six rebounds too, by the way, with Draymond out. So interesting to see there with Chris Paul. Not a guy, I mean, obviously a guy who's in his career as a point guard has given you a lot of rebounds, but just still interesting to see that he's this old, still getting you, getting you those long rebounds. Um, Steph Curry, 27 points. Jonathan Kaminga kicked in 12 after his big preseason. So you need those, you know, you need those points with Draymond out. Um, obviously, somebody's going to have to step into that Draymond role, I guess, um, technically. But until Draymond comes back, yeah, I don't think this team really gives too much hoots about where they end up at. I think this is a team that, you know, they, they're more comfortable going to the playoffs as a six and seven seed, or well, maybe a five and six seed, than as a seven and eight seed, or than as a one and two seed nowadays, just because they're like, ah, we don't care. We'll play our three games at home and win all three of those and then go win one somewhere else. Um, they just, you know, at the end of the day, this is, the Warriors are a team that I'm not worried about in the regular season, uh, unlike the Lakers. I am, you know, I'm worried about the Lakers at all times because you have all that talent, but they just never seems to get put together. Um, whereas on this side, the Warriors, it's like, it'll be okay, guys. Like, Draymond will come back. You guys will be fine. All the glue will, will mesh. Chris Paul will continue to give you those assists. He'll continue to lead the team. But my curiosity is peaked to see what Draymond, how Draymond and Chris Paul handle their point roles like i mean realistically they're they're both leaders in in you know alpha dogs in, in their clubhouses throughout their careers so it's gonna be interesting to see how those two match up when they come back but on the flip side things sons man i can't wait to see what happens when bradley bill is actually mixed into this team this is gonna be a lot of fun uh three-headed monster of all shapes and sizes and this one is gonna be a lot of fun because bill is probably the most unselfish of the three so he'll probably be the guy that you don't see as many 30-point, 20-point games from. But you know what? When he has his night, I imagine both of the other two will be like, oh, here you go, sir. Take 50 tonight, please. We'll give you all the all the assists. We'll get all the rebounds. It's okay. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited about both of these teams. It's tip-off night, so I'm not, you know, this, this game I'm not reading a lot into. The Lakers game I'm a little more into because LeBron has statistically liked to start out the seasons with wins. When he does, he has a great season. When he doesn't, it's usually a rough season for for his team. So um, that one I read a little more into. The last things I'll mention on that is you mentioned once Bradley Beal comes back for the Suns, they didn't even have – you mentioned not only was he out, but the guy in his spot, Grayson Allen, gave you zero points. So, like, that's a big goose egg in your starting lineup. I know Eric Gordon played technically more minutes off the bench, but once Bradley Beal goes in that role, you're not going to get zero, so that makes them even more dangerous. And for the Warriors – they shot 35% from the field and 23% from th- from three in that game. That's not going to happen again. Steph's not going to go 8 of 20 and 4 of 14 from three. Chris Paul, 4 of 15. Wiggins, 4 of 12. I, that's probably not going to happen again. You only lost by four. I think they will take that all day as well, too, as you mentioned, without Draymond. And maybe, just maybe, maybe, somehow this Suns team can play pretty good defense somehow. Maybe they force that. It's, it's Frank Vogel is the head coach who – in theory, feels like the opposite of coach for guys like Devin and Kevin Bradley Bill, but maybe it, it's the opposite of tracking where a defensive head coach is able to get the most out of guys who are known for offense. Who knows? It's week one. It's game one. It's opening night. I won't go through. I won't go too far into those weeds, but wouldn't that be something if a uh, Frank Vogel unlocks some defensive potential from this team as well? To where they, Whoa. just saying, how interesting. I, we might have to look at our picks and be like, huh? We both have thought highly of the Suns, but maybe not highly enough if Frank Vogel's got to play in defense. I'm not worried. I think they'll still finish two or three in the in the West. I don't, defense I don't think or not, yeah. But if they play defense, they might be one and 
one and done. No. Like one. I'm sorry. No, no, I refuse to accept it. I will stand by the fact that the Nuggets will probably end up the one seed. I'm just and it's just, I'm just because of who the Nuggets are mm-hmm. in their DNA. I think that's why they're going to be the one seed. Oh, um, we agree. Like I, I'm just saying, if the Suns play defense, it's going to be dangerous. That's all. To me, to me, this is why I think the, the I'll just cap this off. This is why I think the Nuggets be there. They are still the only team that can utilize the current day's rule set with a true center. So I mean, sorry to all indeed, but your team doesn't use the current rule set very well with you at center. They they have to have some offsets there. So uh yeah, no I don't know how the Nuggets have been able to do it, but congratulations to coaching staff there for the Nuggets. You are uh able to, to use the rules to your advantage with a center in the game. You have unleashed a seven foot Larry Bird and good luck everybody else right now, but seven foot Magic Johnson. Magic Bird, Larry Larry Johnson. Either way, it's not pretty great. We could do this all day, and it's probably going to take the rest of the show, but that doesn't do it here. For the tip-off, that's going to take us into Kelsey's second favorite part of every show, and that is, of course, the main event. Main event, we'll be going through some highs and lows of the sports world as well. I'll go and start. We'll kick it off with highs. I'm going to keep mine quick, simple, and fast for the first one. I'm going to the rookie wide receivers right now, especially this last week. Rookie wide receivers are making some noise. Obviously, Zay Flowers has been there all year making some noise, but one of the leading receivers. Same with Puka Nakua. They continue to do things. But also, let's not forget about what Jordan Addison did on Monday Night Football without Justin Jefferson against the San Francisco 49ers. He, um, Yeah, he was a grown man out there, which I didn't think I'd say about a 160-pound receiver who's 21 years old. But that touchdown where he, he was a grown man after he had the ball taken away from him like he was a small child, and then he turned into a grown man. And then he took the ball right back from the other, from the from I think it was Ward as well did the exact same, same yeah same back. same guy who did it to him he did did right back two touchdowns north of 100 yards outstanding performance Josh Downs against the Browns a number one ranked defense as well too 100 yards and a and a touchdown as well too an absolutely incredible performance there there's already four of them that we've talked about as well obviously there are some others like we want to see Quinton Johnson start getting the ball but Jackson Smith and Jigbo without DK Metcalf gets his first career touchdown on top of it as well so. Just going down that list, that's like that's five rookie receivers out of the gate that popped off my head too that had really, really good weeks. And we've seen each week they slowly start to climb. And I think when it comes to the end of the year, especially because Bijan for some reason isn't getting the ball, which we'll talk about later as well too, and Arthur Smith is incompetent, there's, I don't think we're going to see him and Jameer Gibbs being banged up as well. I think the offensive rookie of the year, if it isn't C.J. Stroud, if he plateaus, there's also Tank Dell I didn't mention who's been out with a concussion for a couple of weeks. There's going to be a lot of receivers to choose from for offensive rookie of the year if CJ Stroud doesn't run away with it. Like, let's say he cools off. And good luck picking that one for everybody. I mean, Puka at the beginning, seeing Downs and uh, Addison recently, Zay Flowers in the middle. It's going to be a very, very busy offensive rookie of the year race unless CJ Stroud just continues where he's at. Yeah. I mean, you know, we'll have to wait and see on how that goes. I do agree, though, that this, this week was a good week for. Younger receivers, especially Jordan Addison, especially for my fantasy football team. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, it was not a team I got to set the offensive lineup for, so I didn't get to like be like, oh, I was smart enough to set the lineup for. Mm-hmm. It was just best ball, so he ended up obviously being my quote-unquote starter. Um, but it made me look good. I mean, hey, that was that was great, considering I don't have a quarterback in that league because Aaron Rodgers is injured. Um, but yeah, no, it's take the take the positives there. But it was it was a good good week for for rookies uh, for rookie receivers um but i'm gonna kind of keep in that same vein i'm gonna go rookies here as well but i'm gonna go one specific rookie quarterback happens to play for a team with another quarterback who just happens to be injured um that is the chicago bears and that is tyler badgent i talked about him leading up to the draft as a a sneaky dark horse at quarterback that could make some teams very happy if they draft him 
Well, guess what? The Bears are very happy happy that they took him as an undrafted free agent here. Gave him an opportunity. He made the team. And not only did he make the team, but last weekend versus the Las Vegas Raiders led them to a 30-12 to victory, giving you 162 yards, one touchdown. And by the way, also gave you three rushes for 24 yards. Uh, very impressive game for a rookie, especially a team who needs wins right now in the Bears. Take them any way they can get them. And against the Raiders, you, that's your, your best opportunity to get some wins there. Um, but not just that. It was a lot of everybody kind of chipping in here. Obviously, De- uh, Deontay Foreman, 89 yards in the, in the game, led all rushers. But across the board, uh, passing the ball, you know, DJ Moore, 54 yards, eight receptions, 32 yards for Darnell Mooney, 31 for Foreman, 19 for Scott. Um, Mercedes Lewis got 16 uh, re- 16 yards re- receiving as well. So who knew he was still in the game? I thought he was just a blocking tight end. Uh, there were two more two more receivers with yardage and th- another receiver with a catch but no yards. So did spread the field out, did look good. Maybe there's a possible quarterback controversy in, in Chicago. Maybe there's not. Um, we'll have to wait and see. Obviously, a lot has been said about what Justin Fields can do there with Justin Fields out right now. Badgett gets the opportunity, and we'll see if he can repeat it again this year uh, or this week. But for now, you'll take what you can get, and a win is a win is a win. So uh, good shout-out to Tyler Badgett for his first victory as a start in his first start as a pro. Wouldn't that be something that feels that the Bears – that would be something the Bears would do. They don't They don't crater for Caleb or get destroyed for Drake, but they don't keep Justin Fields. They go with they go with Tyson Badgett as well, too. Somehow they find a way to split the difference right down the middle of what everyone else is predicting. But – it's a good game for him, right? Yeah, out of by the way, they go up against the Chargers this week. In theory, because that pass offense is terrible, he should be able to show out. But that in theory, so we'll yeah. have to see because Brandon Staley's terrible, as we have we have come to very very much know. So you know what? Maybe how lucky is that that your first two career starts with a Bears team you get to go against the Raiders, missing their starting quarterback and playing Brian Hoyer, objectively the worst backup quarterback ever. And then on top, then you get the Chargers, the objective worst deep pass defense of all time. So you know what? He's gonna make a case for that starting role. You found two great games to go out there and do it with. Yeah, and by the way, how how much is he unheralded? I misspelled, I misset his name six different times. It's Tyson. You're right. It's Tyson Badgent. Um, yeah. by the way, what college do you know what college you went to? I know at one point he was playing like the United Colorado Miners League one year ago or something goofy like that. No, no, no. He he's straight out of college. It is the Shepherd Rams, Shepherd University Rams, and I think that's West Virginia. Um uh, set the NCAA record for passing touchdowns, by the way, with 159. And he had a good combine, too, for, for more. Oh, had a fantastic combine. <laughs> yeah, fantastic combine running and throwing. So it was uh, impressive to see him all around. I, I said it in, you know, in the lead-up that he might be able to make a team happy, or at least, very least, give you a great practice squad quarterback to go against. Um, but, Hello, yeah, Bears, Bears pretty happy right now. Absolutely. So. Definitely. I'm going to keep in the same vein you mentioned there as well, too. We're going to keep things rolling. You talked about a team from the NFC North. Do we remember a couple of weeks ago, one of my lows was the entire AFC North. They <laughs> deserved it at that point. But I'm going to go with highs of the entire AFC North this week. Since I said they were the worst division, they have not lost a game. No one in that division has lost a game since I said that. There will, there will. The Ravens had arguably the best win of the entire season with what they did to the Lions. Not just the, what, the fact that they won, but the fact that they ramrodded them. The Steelers... It was ugly, but we honestly every win they do is ugly. Like we're not surprised. It's the fact that they're still four and two despite having objectively one of the worst offensive offenses in the NFL and a very miserable offensive coordinator. I don't think they've scored scored thirty points offensively with him at the helm. Like it's been very rough. The return of Deontay Johnson might help that. We'll see. Yeah. And you, you, 
I can't really fault the Bengals because they didn't play, but they have won two in a row since I last pooped on them, including that win against Seattle. Then the Browns, are that, well, they're 4-2. P.J. Walker is that. At the helm is P.J. Walker at the helm, too, coming in relief duty. And, and by that, I mean mostly Miles Garrett managing the score like 21, having 17-point swings by himself as well. So when I look at that, the AFC North, since I had them as a low, they have not lost a game. And they have there have been two bye weeks in there, but they have not lost the game since then. They've continued to roll, and it's getting awfully competitive now. Obviously, the Bengals are still, still at the cellar, but they're three and three coming off a bye. And if Joe Burrow's calf is healthy after this, that man is five and two after a bye week and seven and zero after a bye week. So you have to imagine the rest of the way if trends continue. Who knows with this AFC North? We might it might end up actually finishing and looking like how we predicted it before the season even though the starting point made absolutely no sense. But the finish, it might make sense, especially now that the Browns have a quarterback that is healthy for now, at least for another week. The Bengals look like they have a quarterback that is healthy. Lamar might be the MVP right now, debatably, of course. And then when, and then the Steelers, well, I guess TJ Watt could be a defense player of the year candidate. The Steelers, they just find a way to win. They don't make any sense. They don't get a single player shout-out other than TJ Watt, who adds an interception, I guess. But it's the AFC North is looking darn good again. I can I can accept all of that uh, except for the fact that the Browns getting any credit for that win. Um, okay, Miles Garrett, I will give him credit because of what he did individually. Everything else, I, though, you agree with? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I, I mean, okay. I mean, he got two four, two sacks that were forced fumbles, including one for a touchdown, and practicing his new Cleveland Cavaliers minority ownership by jumping over and blocking a field goal. Yeah, that was going to be my other my mm-hmm. my other high was 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 Miles Garrett, you know, buying the Cavs. But now that's taken away from me. No, we're, uh, I'm, I'm transitioning into it so you can get going now. No, I don't. I don't actually have any very many comments on that. I just think it's a great yeah. idea for him. It also tells you how much he's been paid in his career and how much he's done well saving his money and, and making smart business ventures. Um, also, Wakaina Waters. Um, yeah, or why? Why can't what? I don't know. It's mm. Wakaina, something like that. Um, his water company does a really great job. Uh, anyways, I'm just gonna skip on forward, um, and that is gonna go straight to. I didn't want to do it, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to talk Taylor Swift. Yes. Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey with Travis Kelsey in, uh, sorry, with Taylor Swift in attendance, two games, Travis Kelsey is averaging 99 yards a game, nearly a hundred yards. Now, as these, uh, my favorite thing about this entire thing, the stat line says left to his own devices. So AKA no Taylor Swift in the, in, in attendance, 46.5 yards per game. Surprising, but here's the part that here's the kicker to it all. Andy Reid comes out and says after the game, you know, Travis Kelsey, he's he he keeps getting better with age, but you know what? Taylor Swift can stay along, she can stay around as long as she wants if she keeps attending games. That tells you all you need to say to know about it. I I don't know if there's like maybe some subconscious there. It's the altered, you know, as as a as a Cowboys fan, you you know, if anybody remembers the Tony Romo, was it Jessica Simpson? situation with showing up in the pink bedazzled jersey and then like him losing every game she showed up to mm-hmm. yeah let's not forget that that did happen at one point in time in the nfl and there was a lot of talk about team players who have girlfriends showing up to games and they don't win aaron Rodgers had that same issue with danica patrick showing up to games he lost every game that danica patrick showed up to um everybody if you didn't don't remember they did date for a short period of time but on the flip side of things taylor swift seems to have found the right person to pick in the nfl and help succeed and that is travis kelsey as if the chiefs needed any other reason to be good now you have the entire swifty army on your side um yeah look 
I don't know. I didn't. I didn't really want to go, go into this one, but you know, it's a weird stat, and it's one of those ones that just makes you laugh. And just like, oh, football type of conversation, and and it's just I don't know. It's hilarious. Um, and but look, gotta give credit where credit's due. I mean, there's uh, there's obviously something happening there that Travis Kelsey wants to put on a show for somebody. Um, and why not the greatest showman in 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 our generation, in Taylor Swift? So maybe that's what it is. Um, I don't know, but yeah, really cool thing to see, nonetheless. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, whenever you whenever you have the lady around, you always want to you always want to show out, but show out a little bit. Nobody wants looks like a weenie in front of their lady. And then when you have arguably the most famous lady in the world, it just hits different too. So okay. you got for Travis A. Honestly, if I'm Andy, when you got the blessing of Big Red himself, that's all you need at this point too. So yeah. hopefully, they, if she doesn't show up to playoff game, secret matchmaker Big Red. By the way, evidently somehow Big Red took credit for for this one at some point in time. I don't know how, but you know what? I'm not one to argue with Big Red at this point as well, too. As long as Patrick Patrick and Brittany don't get jealous, it's, it is all good. And as long as Jackson just stays out of the way. Just get out of the box, Jackson. Just just, just, just go away. Just go away. Just keep your hands where we can see them at all times and stay out of the way. That That's your only job at this point. Stay out of all pictures, please, sir. <laughs> out of also any anywhere a, a camera or a phone can get your attention. Just stay away. Just go. Just go. By the way, I guess uh, what? There was a secret handshake between Taylor Swift and, and Brittany during the Brittany Mahomes during all during the game as well a couple different ones and then one where Jackson got in the wind did spirit fingers too like they they, they got they got a thing going now so we're not getting into that one though we're gonna keep this as a high we're not gonna let it drift in low yeah let's, let's let's not drift that in the, in the low category let's just go jump right into lows and you alluded to it earlier so that's gonna be my first lows I'm looking at professional sports officiating and I my goodness was this a rough week and it's been a rough year overall but this week especially felt bad you mentioned the Browns game too, where at the end of the game, even the NFL allegedly took as a basically said, yeah, we made a mistake with a couple of those calls that directly affected the game. You look at the Eagles and the Dolphins game. That was the Eagles had zero penalties called on the entire game. And you saw some of them on the Dolphins. It's like, I'm sorry, what? Like what? They, the officiating this week was just rough. We didn't even, we're not even getting directly into the college football one as well too, <laughs> because there were some rough ones in college football. NBA officiating last night, there were some rough ones that, like, I'm the one that's sticking out is Jamal Murray getting basically punched in the wrist on a three point shot. And there's like, nah, it's cool. And it's right in front of the official too. baseball. Not, I haven't seen it quite as much. Like there's always gonna be umpires or strike zones, a little bit of variation here and the there. Flip, like, I was about to say on the flip side, baseball has been great. This, this postseason. a dude literally was just shy of calling a perfect game as an umpire. He missed one call, one, one ball. He called it a strike. Exactly. So I like get, so we won't include baseball in this, but the rest of professional sports officiating refereeing, you are you make so much money. Just hire full time officials that have one letter of the law. Don't bring in a middle school teacher that does it as a fun side gig. Don't bring just get full time officials with their benefits and a reasonable salary of whatever it might be 50, 60, 70, whatever works for you. Keep have them to basically make it their year round job. So even in the off season, they're basically getting trained. They know the rule book by hand. There's a letter of the law. You take away subjective as much as possible because. It's just kind of ridiculous sometimes how it can go from week to week to week. And then, of course, it turns it turns social media fans into the most toxic humans who will say one day, say F these refs and the next week, like, nah, you're just bitching about the refs, which that part's funny, I guess. But I'm just when you're when you make that much money, especially when you're not even factoring in TV deals and the gambling and fantasy sports money that comes with it, too. You can afford to find a fit to get 16 referee crews and pay them full time. Yeah, uh, this is my thoughts on and uh, refereeing this last weekend for all sports other than baseball. 
I would like to challenge that because that was simply not a gruesome enough sound. But uh, the idea was there. The best I got is uh, you got 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 to work with what, what we got here. Uh, no, I, I think it's I think I, we've long. If you have watched this podcast, listened to this podcast, or watched us on this podcast for any amount of time, um, you know my disdain for current refereeing systems and and the desire to have a complete overhaul. And at this point in time, bringing the robot referees, I don't care anymore. Uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm so done with this. I, I've called it what we've had year of the ref one, two, and three. I think this is five, four, five. I don't, I ran out of seasons or which edition this is of year of the ref. If you guys don't know year of the ref is what happens when the, the refs decide they want to take control of the season, take control of the, of the narrative and, and they blow their whistles unnecessarily. You start to see end of game situations not played out or they referee a tight game the whole game and then at the end of this end of the game it's like all of a sudden free-for-alls or flip, flip that it's a free-for-all all game and then at the end of the game it's nip, nip and tuck i mean you literally just will call anything and don't even get me started i like this is just yeah 100 a low not just this last weekend but for like the entirety of the last five years since covid uh, it feels like it gets worse and worse every year there's always something that is just so egregious and i'm glad you didn't even go into the college one because there's <laughs> ooh, ohio state Probably shouldn't have won that game. Let's just say that. What I will say is no one's expecting officials to get it right 100% of the time. It's the blatant what the heck was that. Like when the when you have the officiating crews that don't call anything and then they keep it that way. So like where it's like, wow, that was PI, but they haven't called that all game. People tend to accept that a little bit more than the other ones where it's really everyone's pissed when they don't get the PI call for the team they're rooting for, obviously, or the one that they have money on. But at least it makes sense if it's like three penalties all game. It's like, well, they're just letting him play. And as long as someone's getting clotheslined or blatantly personal fouled. Yeah. That's why I think they just need to find a way to they need to have professional crews all trained the same way, all full time. It's their year round yeah. game, their 360 day a year or whatever it is, where it's all you can eliminate subjectivity as much as possible. Agreed. Wholeheartedly agreed. Um, I don't think we need to go into much more more than that. That's I think that's a good place. Versus top that one. Um, next low, I'm going to go with Utah. University of Utah. I know they did come off a big win against USC. Now have, you know, what, six and one on the season with a big win against USC on their on their resume, knocking USC into a two-loss situation. But here's the negatives. Coming out of that game, Cam Rising has now been officially ruled out for the rest of the season, as has their number one tight end, both top two-round projected draft picks. And, and the tight end, Keith, he is now out for the rest of the season as well. Look, they've done a great job to this point of playing without all their talent. I mean, Cam Rising, we're talking about a guy who could make a lot of NFL teams happy um, with a late-round pick, and especially now coming off this knee injury, he's probably going to be a fourth, fifth-rounder. But you're talking about one of the five best quarterbacks when he's actually playing in college football, you'd think. Um, and, and tight end-wise, Keith, he is the top-five tight end coming out of the draft this year. Um, it's going to be a situation now where Utah has to figure out a way to win. Kyle Whittingham has to figure out a way to win in this tough, tough Pac-12 with one loss already. Um, you, I don't know how they're going to pull it off, but it's going to be interesting to see. They got a lot of, you know, still got a lot of tough games left to play this season. But uh, yeah, I'm interested to see what Utah is able to do. But I do have to give them a low because I mean look, that's two big, two big losses. This, you know, you're coming off a big win, but then okay, there goes your superstar quarterback. Who yeah, you've been playing without all season. That's great, but. You haven't playing out playing without your tight end, superstar tight end, all season. He has been making plays for these young, really cycled through quarterbacks. They've cycled through three different quarterbacks at one, at, you know, at, at this point in time with Utah. So uh, it's gonna be tough to see, but uh, we'll see what the Utes can pull off for this season, and maybe they can still manage their way into a Pac-12 championship. You never know. Say so they, they they are back to back defending Pac-12 champions. 
They've had they are very well coached and a very good, well built team. Unfortunately for unfortunately for them, they are no longer in the Pac-12. They are in the meat grinder with what the Pac-12 has turned into as well. Too, it's not it's not the same old Pac-12 where it was just all right. You beat up USC. That's clearly just Caleb Williams and no defense, which they just did like they've done the last couple of years. Now you got to deal with a uh, Pat Oregon that plays legit defense and has a Heisman candidate at quarterback and first round caliber receivers. Oh, there's Washington with a Heisman Trophy front running quarterback in my opinion right now as well and two nfl first round receivers and plays pretty good defense we'd say as well and oh yeah there's also State already by the way what was that they already lost to oregon state so that that's off the menu but but i mean that's a tough loss too oh and then there's washington state that's also pretty good as well i know they're not ranked anymore because they've had a couple bad losses but no, they do not play washington state this year actually they do not okay well i'm just going down teams in the pac-12 they might potentially have to play even if they got to that pac-12 championship somehow Colorado, last game of the season yeah, I we'll see about Colorado too as well because they we see they can they can compete with anybody, but at the same time we'll see like yeah. especially when they can get healthy. They have four games or five games left this season, so it's next week against Oregon, followed yeah. by Arizona State. Uh, and well, they can although that's that's in Utah, Arizona State in Utah a little bit better. Um, but however, Washington they'll be playing in Seattle. Good luck against that team. Um, Michael Penix, look out now. Uh, Arizona they'll be playing in Tucson. Um, in on November 18th and then Colorado two days after Thanksgiving in Utah. So uh, interesting game there as well. Cause you know, Dion and the crew, they like to travel. They, their bags are bluey. Um, so, you know, they're, they're ready to play uh, especially the last game of the season. They're going to be trying to send a message for next season. Um, so yeah, we'll see what Utah can pull out, but right now sitting at 13th in the country, can they get themselves in the top 10 into the pack 12? Eh, they're going to have to, they're going to have to pull some, some cats, some, some bunnies out of some hats or something like that. So we'll see. As I say, that's reasonably three losses on that schedule you just named, honestly. <laughs> two two that I feel really comfortable saying, which obviously anything can happen. Games don't matter about me writing them off now. But they're oh, Oregon is in Utah this weekend. Uh, yeah, so it, either way, that's Oregon and Utah, Oregon and Eugene, Oregon and Hawaii. I'm, I'm, I feel I feel like Oregon, especially coming off that tough game against Washington not too long ago, they're coming to make a point against another ranked team. However, if Utah runs that table and wins the Pac-12, I don't care about that one loss. Put them in the playoff. If they anyone who whoever wins the Pac-12 at this point needs to be in the playoff. Yeah, I don't know if they're. I'll be honest. I don't know. I don't think they can pull it off. But yeah, it's just not a chance. This is the team that we all talked about as a potential dark horse when you considered where everybody else was. Um, and it's it's tough to see that despite all the negatives and again losing not not having Cam Rising all season, you've still been able to put yourself in a one loss situation here with four games or five games to go, and now you have the death part of your schedule where you're hoping to get them back and now it's like mm, you know what no you're not gonna get your quarterback back but also we're gonna take your tight end away too so good luck guys like, oh, like if you're Kyle Whittingham you're just like really can I go back to the Mountain West for a week too please just give me the Mountain West competition can you at least take Bo Nix off of Oregon for us or just do something for us like can you take the week off like yeah, give us something can you take Michael Penix and Bo Nix off this off the field for a week please mm-hmm. Just let them take let them take a week off. Let's give it. Let's see how it goes there. But that's gonna Utah's definitely they're interesting just because they're also not dependent on star players. But at the same time, you you can only you can only beat the horse so many times before it falls down. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on with them. But I'm gonna go into my last low as well. I'm gonna keep it kind of. I'm gonna try and keep it kind of quick. We, it'd be remiss not to yell at Arthur Smith right now and the Atlanta Falcons. You're coming off a win, a survival win, but. The Bijan Robinson situation is a little bit is a little bit from a fantasy football and betting thing, which as much as head coaches don't care about that, that's a huge part of the game. That is a huge influx of the money, especially now. 
that does matter. B, the rules about reporting your injuries too, like that's literally, a, or injuries, questionable, all that sort of stuff is a big thing. That's always been that way. Bill Belichick used to get in trouble for not potentially doing it. And on top of that, you say he was not feeling well, so you just put him on the field for plays to be a decoy. Then in the last drive of the game, you run him into 6'5", 350-pound Vita Vea up the gut. Like, that's not going to be good for a headache or being sick. I don't care. If you if he's not healthy, then don't play him at all. It's almost like in order for it to get, like, the over-under yards, he has to, like, have a certain amount of plays or a certain and a certain, has to touch the ball. It's like you did that just to spite people at the same time, which obviously they're not thinking about betting. Only head coach that thinks about betting is Sean McVay because he kicks useless field goals at the end of the game when they're down by 10 to cover the 7.5 points. But when, I, when you look at that, it's like, what are you doing, Arthur Smith? Like, you already don't use your star players properly. Now you're misreporting their injury, sickness, health, and then you're not even doing the service of not playing because you run him into Vita Vea to end the game. You run him into arguably the most painful person to run into in the NFL, and that's how you end the game with him. That's how you give him his one touch of the game, basically. We're not even getting directly into the fact that you still suck at using Kyle Pitts, that when he scores a touchdown, we're all like, oh, my God, what? When yeah, he cracks 60 yards, we lose our mind. The fact that Bijan doesn't even lead your team in touches from the running back spot or the fact that Drake London is a no-show half the time. Like, we're not even getting into to some of the other weird stuff that he does. And the incompetence. And you still have Desmond Ritter as a uh, top-10 passing quarterback in the league this year. Yeah. He also, has the, he also leads the NFL in fumbles, it feels like, as well, too, especially in the red zone. Yeah, I mean that's true, but yeah, it's, it is weird. I don't, I don't like look. I don't like anything that's happening in Atlanta. Um, it just bothers me more and more every week, and I'm just like, come on, can we? <laughs> I thought Arthur Smith was supposed to fix Atlanta, not make it worse. Like, come on, guys. Johnny uh, Smith has more targets than Kyle Pitts. I'm, last I saw right now, the backup tight end who he has a weird affection for from his Tennessee days. That's all you need. That's all. Yeah, that's like watching Taysom Hill get the most snaps. Or oh, I, we don't have enough time for me to go go into that one. I, I go ahead. It is your turn. <laughs> Yeah, no. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to, yes, going in that same vein. I don't know, it's not really that same vein. I'm just going to talk about the Vikings. I, yes, you won. But at what cost? Was it worth it? Uh, I'm going to pull the old Thanos thing situation right here. You're three and four. You could have traded Kirk. You could trade Kirk Cousins. You could, could, could trade Kirky Two Chains. Get some vital pieces. Get you some, some draft capital going into a draft where you have a lot of availability for players. A lot of availability for quarterbacks coming up, as we just talked about. But what do you do? You go against the number one team in the NFC, and you say, you know what? I'm going to shove it to you. and I'm going to go and give my rookie wide receivers, what, three touchdowns and 185 yards, if I'm not mistaken? Is that where we're at? Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I just don't like it with the Vikings right now. You're kind of you're, – you're biting the hand that's feeding you. Um, I don't know how many different philosophies I can come up with here. But, yeah, that's – it's. It feels weird watching them get try to try so hard to get these victories, knowing full well they don't have the great de- a great defense. They don't have a great offense. I mean, realistically, Kirk's back there, just like please let me survive this. We saw him on the goal line, like the two goal line sneaks. It's like, why are you doing this to this poor man? This this man has children. This is Kirk Midwest Coles man himself, cousins. Like, stop trying to make him quarterback sneak, bush push, tush push, whatever they want to call it this nowadays. I I, I don't get. I, I would never thought I'd see the day where I'm I'm hoping Kirk Cousins gets out of that situation and can go feast in some great land of Oz that a quarterback can feast in, maybe send him to Dallas or I don't know, New York for the Jets. I 
get them out of get them out of Minnesota, get them to a winning team, get them a chance to go go win some playoff games and, and get a Super Bowl. Um, but yeah, I, I, I look at this Vikings team. I'm just I, I question their wins. I question why you're trying to win right now. You are three and four now, pretty much out of the first pick sweepstakes. Maybe you could still sneak your way in there if you don't lose it if you don't win any more games. But you don't have Justin Jefferson. T.J. Hawkinson is definitely banged up out there every week. You keep seeing him go off the field, hobble off the field, hobble back on. Your defensive line is starting to get hobbled. You have three rookies in the secondary. Like it might be time. And also Harrison Smith, time to let you go as well. Like greener pastures, my guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, is uh, yes they won, but at what cost? They are technically on the game back of that seven C. But like you mentioned, yeah, that either. Like you, there's still a lot of work to do. And let's say they do decide to get rid of Kirk Chains. The two teams that stick out that might have a real, I think San Francisco could be a fun one. I mean, no. I know Brock Purdy's their guy. He has that, but right now in concussion protocol, you know that Kirk Cousins was the quarterback Kyle Shannon always wanted. Man. <laughs> I know, just I just pierced you through the heart with that one as well. But another one that could be fun is the surprisingly acceptably decent. The Colts could be decent to rent him for one year. AR is out for the year. Gardner Minshew stinks. Yeah, get a capable quarterback in that game against the Browns. They win easy, easy money. They beat the Browns. Michael Pittman gets more than two catches. Josh Downs, we see what he's doing. Alec Pierce, like Kirk Cousins and uh, Shane Steichen can have a lot of fun. It depends what we have to give up because I, the Colts aren't going to give up a lot for a seven-game rental because he's not coming back next year. They're not. It's a one-year thing. Well, he would fit perfectly with the Colts. Send Kirk. Saying. It's a one-year. It's a seven-game rental at this point, though. That's right. Send Kirk to to Indy. Send Hunter Renfro to Indy. Now you have a four-weapon system in the receiving core. You have JT, you have Zach Moss. Now you have Kirk Cousins to figure it all out. And four tight ends on the active roster. And now you have four receivers to match, <laughs> which is two and more I, than you had to begin the season. I don't know how they pull that off and still keep keep a, keep any of their picks, but you know what? I'm cool with it because then next year you bring in Anthony Richardson, you go four wide every play with one of those running backs. Yeah, Just spread them out and good luck, everybody. Hey. Chances everywhere. It won't happen, but it's good to think about in real life. And wherever Hunter Renfro goes next, I hope he goes somewhere that will utilize him as well, too, from selfish perspectives of being my doppelganger, as well as he went from a 1,000-yard, 100-catch receiving guy as a number one option to they don't even try to feed him the ball anymore. It's amazing that drop-off because yeah. apparently – be on the field type of conversation. The fact that him and Josh McDaniels don't even get along anymore, which I can't imagine not getting along with Josh McDaniels, honestly. How can a guy in Josh McDaniels who literally – made his name by having a bunch of little tiny white guy receivers play slot and do these things that Hunter Renfro can do. And Hunter Renfro can do them better and more accurately. And, and he's bigger and faster. And yet Josh McDowell's like, no, you're not good enough for me. I'm sorry. Is he not bad enough? Maybe, maybe that's what you meant. He's not former quarterback enough for you. Like, I don't know where we're going here. Was he um, drafted too high for you, I guess? Like, was that, I'm sorry, is that fifth round selection just a little bit? Was Eastern too- Washington too big of a school for you? Did you need him to go to East, Northwest, South, Central, Middle School? I'm sorry, Jupiter? he was winning like, a national championship at Clemson and carrying Deshaun on his back too good for you? Like, I'm sorry. I digress. We won't get too far into that because that's going to take us now into Kelsey's favorite part of every show. And that is, of course, crunch time, which you got a little tease of a not not planned crunch time there, but outlier.bet backslash high low sports. Best smarter, not harder. Get everything you need on betting odds, trends, and make, help yourself win some money. Kelsey, you're we I kind of forced in a little crunch time there. So I'm gonna let you take the reins here for what we have in crunch time. Absolutely. Uh it is West Coast domination season, ladies and gentlemen. I talked about the Super Bowl or the World Series earlier this season. 
earlier in the episode, and I'm getting back to it right here and right now. Did you know since 2010, there have now been 14 matchups in the World Series? 11 of the 14 matchups have featured an NL or AL West opponent. 11 of the 14. The three that didn't, we're talking central teams here. Uh, we're talking that was a matchup between the the Royals at one point in time. Um, and in a game, there was a there was the Red Sox and somebody else, and then uh, the big one being Cleveland and Chicago that everybody remembers as the only games to not feature an a West uh, AL or NL West team. Um, and by the way, of those eleven series that featured an NL or AL West team, there were eight of them featuring an AL East or NL East team in in as an opponent. So. Look, I'm not saying it's just a West Coast thing, but there's been 11, 11 straight, 11 straight, 11 out of the last 14 that have featured an NL West or AL West opponent, and it just keeps getting better and better. So when is it time to finally finally get rid of this West Coast East Coast bias bullcrap that continues in the or continues in baseball? Maybe start some West Coast games earlier in the day so you don't have that 10-10 start time. That'd be great. Um, but look, at the end of the day, West Coast teams continue to make a push for themselves. Now you have the Diamondbacks in there. And by the way, outside of the Padres, every NOS team has made the World Series in the last 10 years. Or, well, yeah, last 10 years, um, including even the Rockies. Which, of course, that is fitting because the Padres, of course, being a San Diego team, we all know how cursed they are perpetually as well, yeah. too, on top of it. So it, really, every NOS team that doesn't that doesn't have a giant black cat sitting in the organization. Yeah. I mean, technically, you can say every NOS team has made the uh, NL Championship Series. But as far as the World Series, four out of the five. Not a bad number. What a little bit of California love, I guess, and take that, take that East Coast bias. Now we just need some of the Midwest and Central teams to start getting so they can say, "Take that, you coastal elitists!" But one step <laughs> at a time. <laughs> yeah. By the way, uh, the Astros and Diamondbacks both have the most number of uh, appearances with four. Uh, Giants have three, and the Rangers now have three. That will do it. And then the Dodgers in there a couple of times as well, too. So you know, what? yeah, they're the ones with four. Okay, sorry, you said Diamondbacks. Yeah, Dodgers and Astros both have four. Gosh, you said Diamondbacks threw me off. It's like that. Oh no, I, my bad. Diamondbacks only have the one. I was to say, hold on now. Like you had my gears turning. Like I, uh, snakes alive again. Like yeah, I'm had it with these mother effing snakes on this mother effing plane. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. It's it's time. Oh, well, then again, I don't really want the Rangers to win either. So, uh, yeah, go umpires for a hundred percent. I want to see a perfect game umpired. This that's what I want to see. Go sports. Yeah, I, sports. I'm just honestly, I just hope it's a seven game series and it's a doozy. I just want it with really good umpiring on top of it as well. So I just hope it's great baseball. But, yeah, but I mean, you said mentioned earlier, don't bet on the series. No, unless you are a, a Diamondbacks or a Rangers fan, don't bet on the series. Don't don't do that to yourself. You're gonna be so disappointed. Um, and and if you bet for somebody to hit a home run, guarantee they're gonna strike out. And if anybody, if anybody wins a bet and they win a, a major uh, major same game parlay or major parlay during during the World Series, please send that over. Like send over the picture proof because I want to to eat my own words. I just don't think this is a series where you want to try to play these parlays because there's just so much craziness that's going to happen. I don't trust anything. You bet money lines, and what you do is you bet the money line for both of them. So no matter what you win and lose, you cover your butt. You just kind of hope the underdog wins at that point. I'm get you pretty win. much betting the over all series, which means they're gonna it's gonna be a pitching showdown somehow. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think I can I can bet the under in any of the series. And not at all, but unless the under's like fourteen. Exactly. Maybe bet Corbin Carroll will steal a base. Maybe like if I can do a full series bet for that, I would t- I'd consider yeah, that, but not series, like, yeah. like he will steal one base this series. Okay. I'll take that bet. But like that, that's about it. Not going on a game by game basis, but that's going to do it here for the ILO sports podcast. We appreciate y'all for joining us here this Wednesday evening, or if you check us out, one of your favorite places that you see podcast, 
be sure to jump in on our YouTube page. Check out Tier Tuesdays where we rank the NFL the NFL teams every week as well. And don't forget we have Fantasy Fridays and DJ's best bets on the weekends as well to help you help you win some money in football or get extremely mad at guys like Arthur Smith like I do. But that's going to do it for us here this week. We'll see you all again next week.